Welcome in to Tailgate. We are here in the Michigan version of the studio, and you're wearing a shitty Notre Dame. Yeah, our Fighting Irish, but why aren't you just in the Michigan gear? Why are you even? Why are you? Why were you interviewing Aiden Hutchinson all day instead of manning up like a true Irishman? Stop! Stop! Aiden Hutchinson did come in today. That's why my brain is fried, dude. We sat down with Aiden Hutchinson for like six hours today. Yeah, six hours. It yeah. was awesome though. Was I wouldn't even awesome. want to sit down with you for six hours. So kudos to Aiden. Actually, his draft <laughs> stock's going up after that. If he can put up you for that long, dude, he had a lot of fun. He, he had a lot of cool things to say though. Will Aiden, Aiden, Aiden's my guy. Officially my guy. I'm stamping in. His uh, his mom came in. His sister came in. Uh, agents came through. It was really cool. I remember you were the one doubting him going number one overall. Do you recall that? It was I, only a couple I, weeks I, ago. I never doubted him. You're I saying know. I'm buying the hype of anyone besides Aiden Hutchinson. I think we're your exact words going number one overall. Well. Well, here I am. Here I am backing Aiden Hutchinson again. Aiden Hutchinson coming in the studio. Big shout out to Radden Sports and Aiden Hutchinson for recording what will be an absolutely absurd podcast, by the way. What he opens up with on Ohio State, Michigan State, his upbringing, doing dance as a kid, all this crazy shit. It's fucking awesome. It was awesome to hang out with him. And I know that was a swear word. And I know that's another 20 to St. Jude's. I'm, I'm losing a lot of money. To yeah. St. Jude's, but um, uh, yeah, I really appreciate Aiden Hutchinson coming in. The other big news I have, in addition to Aiden, is Draft Guide came out. New Draft Guide released today, which is awesome. I'm giving away 50 Draft Guides to people uh, who send me a screenshot of their review and send me a DM on Twitter or Instagram. Make sure you do that when you can. Um, I'm also going to shout out the master gators that continue to follow along our podcast that's the name of the show that's the name of the uh the podcast followers as we continue to move forward last person to shout out here before we get into the meat of the episode here the presenting sponsor of this podcast is not aiden hutchinson it's not michigan but it is manscaped can i get a round of applause everyone today i'm excited to announce manscaped launched their ultra premium collection believe it or not it's not for your it's for your not so private parts i'm talking about a leveled up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent this is an all-in-one skin and hair kit for the everyday man and covers you from head to toe literally manscaped is trusted below the waist now trust them with the rest join the four million men worldwide who trust manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20 percent off plus free shipping with code pff i'd recommend using the products on this order hop in the shower and scrub it up dub that body with the manscaped body wash lather your hair up with a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner to keep your noggin togging how nogged is your tog or how togged is your nog very talked mm. dry off and spray on the hydrating body moisturizer to reinvigorate dry skin put on the manscaped deodorant for obvious reasons and pop the manscaped lip balm on no one's out here kissing chapped up lips getting dressed after is optional wear one great scent all day long get 20 percent off plus for shipping with code pff at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off plus for shipping with with the code pff at manscaped.com the power of attraction is now in a bottle thanks to manscaped no it was it was awesome uh, jokes aside, it was awesome talking to Aiden all day today, getting tying a bow on this Aiden Hutchinson podcast where we talked to him and like 40 other people. That podcast comes out in April 2022. The Catch and Early Buzz is absolutely loaded today. We want to talk about biggest free agency winners and losers at some point, but we got to catch up on a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. We have to catch up on a lot of stuff. Can we start with the Devontae Adams trade? Sure. Devontae Please. Adams. Devontae Adams, the longtime Green Bay Packer longtime Green Bay Packer is traded to the Las Vegas Raiders for a first and second round pick. You that Thursday night are hanging out on the banks, balling with your bros. I'm in St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. So obviously as an Irishman, I was doing my due due duty. And I get 
Oh, notification. I get like a zillion notifications actually at once. And one just says, fuck you, PFF underscore Mike. And I'm like, well, I know who that's from. And I know what just happened without even having to know uh, that Devontae got traded to the Raiders. And it was it was phenomenal. It was absolutely phenomenal. So you're out with the bar at the bars buzzing with the boys. I'm at, just still at the house chilling because everyone's mm-hmm. asking, where's Mike? Aren't you guys living together? Blah, blah, blah. I'm chilling at the house. I see this come through. And I'm like, let's fucking go. Like, let's go. Raiders are actually trying to make a power move here. Dave Ziegler, the new GM coming over from the New England Patriots, head coach Josh McDaniel, say, hey, we're not going to slow play this. Let's go get a receiver. Let's go get a big-name guy. They trade a first and a second-round pick, two top 60 picks, the 22, and I believe the 53rd overall pick in the 2022 NFL Draft for the opportunity to pay Devontae Adams the biggest contract in, of, for a non-quarterback in NFL history. Yeah. They gave him a ton of money, over $28 million annually per, or annually in this contract. And I think it's like almost $70 million guaranteed in this contract. They pay big, both in draft capital and in cap space, to go get you know, a top three receiver in the NFL. You could argue Tyreek Hill's better or whatever. He's still a top three receiver in the NFL, even at 29 years old. Yeah. And realistically, it's more of a three-year deal. But I think what this means, that extension's coming for Derek Carr. They McDaniels took that job because he likes Derek Carr and he likes the way he can run his offense. And you don't make this move if that's not your plan. You don't make that splash play. A splash play for three years. Again, it's basically a three-year deal. Because if you were to move on from Derek Carr after this year, we've talked about this a lot. This is the last year of his deal. You've said wait and see. I've said extend him now by a kind of I don't want to say the bottom of the market, but you're gonna put a lot of pieces around him. He's gonna look good in this offense. He's gonna the price is gonna go up. So I say extend him now. Because if you get rid of Derek Carr, go rookie next year, you're just then burning Devontae Adams those last two years of his deal with a guy who's you know early on his developmental curve. That's not going to come in and compete in the AFC West with all that's going on in the yeah, AFC yeah. West right now. I don't care who you draft. They ain't getting to that level to compete in the AFC West in years one or year two. So basically it means Derek Carr and Devontae better work out because that's they're kind of pushing their chips and putting their chips in those, those – Eggs in that basket. The eggs are. In They're that pushing basket. some eggs and some chips in a basket for yeah. sure. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on this idea that they have to extend Derek Carr. I and they probably will, and I think they're going to whatever. Mm-hmm. Why Why not let him play out unless he's like threatening to sit out this season without a new contract? Right. This is the last year of his deal, and he's not. I don't even think he's like a top ten paid quarterback in the NFL. I think yeah. he's like top fifteen. If he's gonna if he's threatening to sit out the season without a new deal, then you obviously do it. Right. You mm-hmm. you've, you your chips are in. Yeah. But if he's not. Why not see if this works? Like, why not see if Devontae Adams and Derek Carr works? Why not see mm-hmm. if you can actually put together a top 10 offense with this team with Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, Devontae Adams, Lex, Alex Leatherwood entering year two. You still have Colton Miller. Yeah, the offensive line's not great, but like you have to hope that it's good enough, right? Even like top 20 in the NFL with the players that they do have. Why not see if it works and then make the decision to extend Derek Carr? Because here's the thing. Devontae Adams is someone worth putting the chips into. I mean, you, pay, you made him the highest paid receiver in the NFL because you know that. You know for a fact what Devontae Adams is. For Derek Carr, a lot of what you could say is you know what he is too, and it's not a top six quarterback in the NFL. It's not a top eight quarterback in the NFL consistently. But if this works, and you see this 2016 version of Derek Carr, what we saw when they had the number one offensive line in the NFL, Donald Penn, Coletio Assembly, Gabe Jackson, Rodney Hudson, Michael Crabtree, Mark Cooper, when they had like a, a legit supporting cast, Derek Carr was borderline MVP candidate before he gets hurt on Christmas Eve, breaks his leg. If this works and you see an offense that's top eight caliber in the NFL, top six caliber in the NFL, then dump the check, right? And show that you can win with Derek Carr and pay him more money. But I don't think you necessarily need to put 
all of this cash, all of these chips in the same basket. Because if this doesn't work and it isn't that great, I, I, then you're just putting yourself in a really bad position. If that, I, I really do think that. The thing is, like, I don't, I don't think you have that option though. Like, he, he's been good enough though. Like, he's been good. Like, even as bad is still top fifteen quarterback in the NFL. So, like, what do you? You can go split hairs and try to find that guy, but then you have the ten years prior to Derek Carr getting there and what that looked like, which was also an abomination. So I think you give yourself a floor with Derek Carr. And yeah, maybe that floor is not competing in the AFC West, but they're going to do it. He was the third highest grade quarterback before in the NFL last year before Henry Ruggs uh, had his accident and got cut. Mm -hmm. like, when he had weapons, he was good. So I, I do think that's what I would. That's what I would do at this point. We've talked a lot about the Raiders side and what this means. They're still fourth in, in odds to win the AFC West at plus 700 behind the Chiefs, Broncos, and Chargers in that order. I think they're also like in the bottom five in terms of winning the AFC despite adding Devontae Adams. I don't think their their Super Bowl odds moved from 60-1 to 1 to 50-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl in 2022. This, in my opinion, was not a decision that Ziegler and McDaniels made to be Super Bowl competitive or even like even third or second in the AFC West, right? This was a decision to remain competitive, right? To raise the floor and start to build a culture that is winning football games mm -hmm. in Las Vegas, right? Because I think that is almost, it's not more important than winning a Super Bowl. It's not more important than, and then pushing that far. But I think it's, what's really important is, what's, what's really important is that they need to start to establish a winning culture in Las Vegas. And if you bottom out in this new structure with Ziegler and McDaniels, I do think that that just sets the tone for what they not want to be. Yeah. So, how does then letting Derek Carr walk <laughs> fit in? No, with that? I agree. No, and I think that's why they ultimately. I think that's why they ultimately do pay Derek Carr. I yeah. think that's why they ultimately do like dump it and like the chips are in. It's Devontae Adams and Derek Carr working, or it's not. And that's what the Ziegler. That's what the Ziegler and McDaniel's era will be. It's yeah. will will the bet they've made on Devontae Adams and the soon to be bet mm -hmm. made on Derek Carr work. Yeah. And but but then again, like but it comes back to he he wouldn't take that job if he didn't believe in Derek Carr. Like wholesale. It's not like Questy with the Vikings and uh, that situation where, to me, that was vastly different because of the division you're in and whatnot. You would not take this job in Las Vegas with where that roster is unless you believed in Derek Carr. I think that's fair. I think for the Las Vegas Raiders, they paid dearly to remain competitive in the AFC West. They paid dearly to remain competitive in the AFC. But for the Green but Bay Packers... But they're still the fourth best team in that division. Yeah, and they're still the fourth best team in that division. Again, this was not a decision yeah. made by the Las Vegas Raiders to be Super Bowl competitive. They are more aware than that. Ziegler and McDaniels are more aware than that. What this decision was, was to remain competitive, period. Period. Yeah. Like, they're, they're now a player in the AFC West. I think they have a legitimate shot at being the third best team next yeah. year. Maybe even stretching into the second best team, depending on injuries to these other teams. Now, I want to talk about the flip side of this. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people build this, at least early on, as like this obvious loss to the Green Bay Packers, and you know they're, they're taking a step back, and they're not all in, and all this stuff. I thought this was an impressive move by the Green Bay Packers front office to get a first and a second round pick for a player that, now that the reports are out, did not want to play in Green Bay. They were willing to match, if not exceed, no. his offer. In well, Green no, Bay. it's not even just that. To me, it's crazier that he wanted to play in Las Vegas. A one destination trade. It, it wasn't like they were bidding against other teams. Oh, you wow, know? really? It was he wanted to be a Raider. He grew up a Raiders fan, wanted to be a Raider. That's why he wanted to leave. So he asked to get a trade to the Raiders. And it's like a one bid trade to get a first and a second rounder when no one else is there. Sort of, there's not. All the Packers could realistically do is just call bluffs. 
just be like, oh, yeah, we're going to call your bluff and see if you actually are going to not play on the tag and sit out a full season. That was all the leverage that the Green Bay Packers had to then get a first and a second rounder, which is more, way more than the Cardinals got for DeAndre Hopkins, who was two years younger, two years younger at the time of the trade. And in a very similar situation in terms of wanting a new contract. Yes, more than Stefan Diggs and the, Vi- and the Vikings got for that trade to the Buffalo Bills, where they only got a first-round pick in return. Uh, to me, although it was a little bit higher first-round pick for a guy who was also younger and paid less. So to me, that was a massive win for the Packers. And the return they got now get some cap relief for a team that needed cap relief. And the thing about trading for guys to pay them market value is you need to get market inefficiencies to win Super Bowls. You have to use your cap space more effectively than everyone else. And when a guy is at the Devontae Adams tier, when he's getting paid the very top of the market, when he's going to get that big-ass deal, he's being paid at market value. He's being paid the worth he's bringing to the table, theoretically. Now he can still exceed that to some degree. But like you need to find those avenues somewhere and where the Packers were with so many second contract guys, so many guys that they need to pay, whether it's now Jair Alexander coming up for another deal that it's like they are strapped in that position to get a first and a second round pick, the cap relief now, it's a deal I would have done in a heartbeat if I'm Green Bay. I mean, I think it's very opposite to the the end of the deal that the Raiders were on when they traded Khalil Mack, right? They traded Khalil Mack for all these picks yeah. and they get the cap relief, they get yes. the picks and the opportunity to reset. The Packers are in a very similar spot. They get the cap relief, they don't have to give Devontae Adams this monster long-term contract, mm-hmm. and they get a first and a second round pack, two top 60 picks in the 2022 NFL Draft. Now, what what this sets the stage for, though, is Gutekunst and this front office actually using those picks on pass catchers, right? They have not mm-hmm. spent mm-hmm. a lot of mm-hmm. top 60 picks on guys that can impact the passing offense to be weapons for Aaron Rodgers in his time. It's like Devontae Adams is like one of the few guys that they've actually done it with. And looking at free agency, Robert Woods is now a Titan. You know, we don't, Juju Smith-Schuster is a Kansas City Chief. Odell Beckham Jr. is still available, but coming off of injury. Will Fuller is still available, but still injury prone. Julio Jones, technically available. What, the Green Bay Packers win this not win this trade but benefit from this trade get a haul on a first and second round pick save all this cap space who do they bring in what are they going to spend it on are they actually going to draft a receiver what do you imagine they do now in the first round i'm just looking back the last three receivers that the packers used top 60 picks on greg jennings jordan nelson Devontae Adams. <laughs> they have that's it they, they have not used a lot and so i think this is the year that they go out and do it one for certain i bet this now means they are trying to either bring back MVS or will sign one more wide receiver and probably draft one, and that's probably I don't think they go all in this draft and wide receivers. That's just not their MO. They're probably going to hope that Amari Rodgers develops and can see the field next year. But they need help. Like they, they need guys, but at least this is going to spread the ball around a little bit more than we saw last year. But it, I, I do worry about the stream core as it stands right now is right up there with the Falcons for the worst team court in the NFL. Gun to your head, who are the top three receivers for the Green Bay Packers in 2022? Okay, so I'm trying to think of the guys at the top of the draft that fit their kind of mold. They like size at the receiver position. They don't draft a lot of – they just haven't drafted the pure slot types. They've never really used that as a role in their offense. So I think like a Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, I think those guys are like too small for them. Olave possibly I could see them going for because he fits their kind of their route running bill. But I think those guys are too small for what they covered at the position. So the wider receivers in the top of this class, I think Sky Moore from a build perspective would fit that. I, I think Jahan Dotson's a little too small. I think George Pickens would fit that. So maybe those two guys, if you're talking about 
the second round pick, the late first round pick, guys that they would target. But a lot of these small guys really don't fit their bill. Maybe tr- Burks London, I think they would go for, but I'm not sure either of them gets to where they're going to be picking. Man, I am. Uh, I'm really interested to see who the Green Bay Packers trot out because it would yeah. not. You know, all Green Bay Packers fans, from what I've seen on Twitter, have been, "Oh, it's okay. We're going to draft two receivers in the draft. We're going to sign Julio. We're going to sign Juju, which is not going to happen now. We're going to trade for Robert Woods. It's not going to happen now." It would be really unfortunate to see them kind of squander this opportunity to bring in legitimate pass catching weapons in the draft and sign one of these guys available in free agency, Will Fuller, Odell Beckham Jr., Julio, someone yeah. to come in in free agency. You don't want to just go with rookie talent because if they don't, say they just like re-sign Marquez Valdez-Scantling and they trot out Amari Rodgers, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Malik Turner, this is not going to work. Like It's just not going to work. And such a high percentage of their passing offense went to Devontae Adams last year. Like They need to attack this yeah. role with volume. That starts in free agency with some of these players that are still available. And I think one or two guys with the top 60 picks, the four, uh, the four top 60 picks that they do have. Um, final thoughts on a win. Who wins this trade? I think it's close to 50-50. Like, the Raiders don't win this trade if you think the only way they win is if they win a Super Bowl. Because this is not making them Super Bowl competitive. Their odds go from 60 to 51 for a reason. For the Green Bay Packers, I if I had to call a winner of this trade, it would be the Green Bay Packers. Now, I'm not saying the Raiders lost wholeheartedly, but I do think that the Green Bay Packers come out of this in a better spot than the Raiders do. From a team-building perspective, from where they are, I would I like the Packers' situation better in terms of... Just if if this like if it was Devonte Adams going to the Chiefs for what they just gave up, I would like it for the Chiefs. Better. Yeah, you know, 100%. like if it's a team that's like in the mix, that's like this is the piece that puts you over the edge. I would like it better for them. But there's no edge that just this pushed them over. This pushes them into, like you said, maybe sneaking in a wild card yet again. Dude, if the Chiefs made this trade, people would be losing their goddamn minds. Yeah. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Holmes. I think the Chiefs immediately become the favorite to win the Super Bowl in the AFC. Right now, yeah. it's the Bills. Like yeah. honestly, like yeah. it moves oh, yeah, the look. odds that much. That's what I'm saying. Like that, so this to me, it just went made the Raiders go from doormats to viable candidates to actually like win a couple games in the AFC West because it's yep. such a dominant division. I want to talk more about the AFC West and what they've done, but before we do, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson ultimately traded for a bevy of picks. I think it ended up being three first round picks and a couple of day two, day three picks mm-hmm. to the Cleveland Browns. They originally out of the sweet, you know, what was yeah. being billed as the sweepstakes uh, between the Panthers. Sean Watson playing Bachelor. Which is ridiculous. I think before we get ahead of this, before we talk about Deshaun Watson getting traded to Cleveland Browns, I think it's important to, Deshaun Watson is actively facing 22 civil lawsuits alleging sexual assault, harassment, and misconduct. That is, that is the facts. He is... He has negotiated with the Cleveland Browns and talking to Brad Spielberger and talking to other reporters here at PFF, negotiated with the Cleveland Browns as part of this trade that his base salary gets moved down to $1 million, knowing that a suspension is coming for these active lawsuits because the only thing that's affected when you are suspended from the NFL is your base salary. Whereas he's making $230 million fully guaranteed, the biggest fully guaranteed contract we've ever seen in the NFL, $80 million more than the fully guaranteed money offered to Aaron Rodgers. All that money full guaranteed, regardless of suspension. And you have this $1 million base salary that will get affected by a suspension handed down, if handed down, by the NFL. It's it's part of the reasons why he's being made available. It, it's you know I know some of it was obviously him wanting to sit out and all that stuff. But um, the Cleveland Browns have traded for, actively traded for, a guy facing 22 civil lawsuits alleging sexual assault. And um, how many games he plays in 2022 and beyond is still TBD. Is still what you know what the NFL is up to. But um, 
you know, this is officially the Houston Texans opportunity to reset at that position and really reset culturally, right? Reset and actually be able to like build a roster, right? Over the last two off seasons, we haven't seen them sign much of any free agents. You know, they've been rumored to trade away potentially Brandon Cooks, potentially Army Tunsil. Now they have the three first round picks and, and this weight lifted from a cap perspective with Deshaun Watson off the books. And for the Cleveland Browns, they're putting all of their chips off the field and on the field. You know, a lot of their perception into Deshaun Watson and what he does next, right? And I think talking about Deshaun Watson has been difficult over the last year plus because he's fucking facing 20, 22 different women are alleging sexual assault, harassment, misconduct against Deshaun Watson. That is a fucking insane. That is difficult to talk about. Now, the Cleveland Browns have issued three public statements, whatever it is, about Deshaun Watson doing this extensive research. You know, it's reported now that they did not talk to a single one of these women, which I find insane in their extensive research, not talk to a single one of these women, but they're banking on Deshaun Watson, both on and off the field, rebounding from this, obviously, with the investment that they've made from a draft capital and, and, um, and, and, and the $230 million. Yeah, they talked to three female defense attorneys in the law firm that agreed to take on Deshaun Watson's case. So that's that was their diligence. That was their background on Deshaun Watson. And... I don't know. That's whatever you believe about that. My heart goes out to Browns fans who are legitimately upset about this because they have no control over the fact that your team just traded for a guy who, in my opinion, shows a lot of signs of sexual predators. 22 signs. <laughs> yeah. like twenty-two More, more than 22 to, signs. Going to over 50 massage therapists in a two-year period is abnormal behavior, whatever your thoughts are about if the allegations are true against him or not. So, uh yeah, Mul it's, it's something that, like I said, as a as a fan, you you may not want this guy on your team whatsoever. And he got stuck with him, and he's a fantastic quarterback from a pure football perspective. Absolute home run for the Cleveland Browns. They are going to be whenever he's on the football field now one of the best football teams in the NFL. Flat out, this is a night and day difference from what we saw from Baker Mayfield last season. But some people want their football players to be decent human beings as well and well you might be sol in that in that category you know a handful of things i would encourage people to do rain is an organization that supports victims of sexual assaults and sexual violence i would encourage you to donate if you are passionate about this i would also encourage you to read read jenny varentas of sports illustrated has done excellent excellent reporting on this situation like Make yourself more aware than the headlines. Make yourself more aware than the public statements from the Cleveland Browns. Make yourself more aware than the statements made by the three defense attorneys for Deshaun Watson, right? Like, it, and it's okay, in my opinion, to feel that it's unacceptable for extensive research to be done on Deshaun Watson and the Browns not to talk to a single one of the alleged victims. That, in my opinion, it's okay. It's okay to have that reaction. The thing that blew my mind about this whole saga that went on over the past week and whatever, the last year and a half, is not a single team came out and said, we do not want to trade for Deshaun Watson. We do not want a guy like that in our building. No one did. 13 teams were rumored to have contacted the Texans about possibly trading for him. The 49ers have Trey Lance and said, we'll trade for Deshaun Watson if we can negotiate only us, 1v1. It was like every team's like, yeah, we'll take that guy. Sure. Like, by all means, just... Let me know what the price is and see if we can pay it. That was insane to me that not a single one came out and was like, we would rather not explore trades for a guy like that. Just that, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I guess I still, I still am. 
Dude, there were reports from Pro Football Talk that the Atlanta Falcons brought out the key to the city and were willing to give Deshaun Watson the key to the city. Gail Benson, like long-term owner of the Saints, met with them. Like they were pulling out all the stops, these presentations for Deshaun Watson. I just find it, uh, I mean, I just find it a little bit absurd about how how this yeah. how this you know quote unquote sweepstakes has been reported on and how it's been built and how it's been marketed. I, I just don't, I just don't, I just think it's and I like I said, it's okay to have this reaction for a player or person that's you know facing this many you know alleged you know civil lawsuits and sexual harassment lawsuits. It's okay to have the reaction that it's like. This doesn't feel great. Yeah. I will say this, though. People I feel good about in this situation, Texans fans, they can finally breathe. They, they, there is light at the end of the tunnel, finally, if you're a Houston Texans fan. This trade was like you had to get what they got in return. They got a haul in return. You have your, your window is not this year. It's not next year. It's probably not super close still. But there's a path to a rebuild now. That's not sign 20 veteran free agents for the minimum and pray one of them can actually play football like there's an actual way path to rebuilding this roster now so the team we said that a year about a year and a half ago was in the worst situation i've ever seen a team in the nfl well it got better that's at those dark days have turned here and we have actual reasons to be excited if you're a texans fan who are you locking into? Not locking into, but you know the Texans now have the number three overall pick and the number thirteen overall pick yeah. in addition to the first rounders in, in in future years. Come come out of that draft with an offensive tackle and a receiver. I think they're in a really good place. You you can't really go wrong. I think in PFF's mock draft simulator, their team needs is every position. I think they should just be taking best player available and legitimate culture setters right you need the, the culture is a mixed bag of random veteran friends that they've signed a one-year deals no one's committed to that team long term no one is committed to houston texans football not even the coach right i mean it, it's lovey's fucking smith's your coach yeah you have lovey smith and gm is still trying to establish things no one's been there that long i mean larry tunsil has now for a while brandon cooks but none of those i mean you need to bring in some guys that are going to be there for a while and be good yeah. it doesn't matter what position they play at all as long as you're ruling out like kicker and punter, honestly, rule out kicker and punter and just take the best player left. That could be Kyle Hamilton, honestly. Kyle Hamilton, the the safety from Notre Dame, going at number three. And at thirteen, it's 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 looking at one of the edge defenders potentially, or looking at the cornerback. I mean, you can't go wrong if the Houston Texans. The only way you go wrong, in my opinion, is tasting like high ceiling, low floor players. You need floor right now. Houston Texans need something to bank on. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what they have to do for, for the Cleveland Browns. I think they're immediately now the favorite to win the AFC North. According to DraftKings Sportsbook, they're a favorite. Uh, see, uh, he's going to get suspended, though. Like, there's almost no doubt in my mind he would since the NFL is pressing for not relying on actual charges to be pressed and actual or charges stick for them to suspend guys when the whether that was the Big Ben case, whether that was the Ezekiel Elliott case. So he's going to get suspended. So I would not be. I'm not still not buying the Browns to win the North this year because they might even make the playoffs. Like that pick for the Texans next year could be pretty high if he is suspended eight games or a year. Like I mean, he could he could get a big suspension here from the NFL to where if he is suspended for a year, this is not this team is not going to be great. So um, I don't buy into that, but. You get a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, who is 26 years old. You don't make that move for next year. That impacts your franchise for the next 15 years. So it's uh, they're still better off after than they were prior. 
I, I, I'm betting. I'm betting the Ravens at plus two twenty-five to win that division. I'm also betting the Bengals at plus two hundred to win that division. Right now, the Cleveland Browns are plus one seventy-five to win the AFC North, and I'm leaning either the Bengals or the Ravens. I think that's where I put my money if I was betting on that division. Uh, more on the catch and early buzz. More quarterback movement. Matt Ryan. What well, if, no. Before we get to Matt Ryan, well, I guess it's kind of connected. Baker. Yeah, I want to talk a little about Baker. <laughs> He's going to get cut, dude. That's you think he's going to get cut? No way he gets cut. Okay, no way he gets cut because, honestly, I mean, his cap number, they're going to hit his cap number no matter what. So he's going to get tr- he's gonna get traded, but it's going to be for like a sixth or seventh round pick. It's not going to be for a lot. No if way Matt it's Ryan a seventh. Goes, There's Matt no Ryan goes way a, it's a seventh. Well, if Matt Ryan goes for a third, you're not going a third for Baker Mayfield. And it's just who would give it up at this point. You don't have a lot of options. you got the Falcons now. you got the Seahawks maybe. And then – not a lot of other teams who would be beating down your door asking for a quarterback at this point. So it's going to be tough. I think it could be kind of depressing for Seattle Seahawks fans if he does go to Seattle. Yeah, That yeah. would be rough. Do you think he goes know. to anywhere to be a backup? No. That he would. Although he's a backup in Cleveland, so maybe. But That's what I'm saying. I don't know. That, oh, well, no one's going to trade for him to be a backup with this contract. So I don't, I don't know their options. I don't know who's going to be even asking. Do you think it? I mean, there's only a handful of teams left that are even like in the market, right? The Atlanta Falcons. So let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons just traded Matt Ryan for a third round pick to the Indianapolis Colts. What I loved about, well, there's two things I love about that. One, third round pick for Matt Ryan is absurd. They got more for Carson Wentz than they gave up for Matt Ryan. I don't know what world we're living in, but this offseason, you could have had a third and two fifths could have netted you Matt Ryan, Amari Cooper, and Shaq Mason. If you and Leo find, Collins, if you signed him off the street. And, well, those are, yeah, free agents. But, like, those were guys who are good players, not going to cost you too much now because of trading for those contracts and how that works, to where, my God, I cannot believe how some of these trade deals, the valuations went down. It's absurd. I think to trade only a third-round pick, I mean, Carson Wentz went for two third-round picks. Possibly a second. And possibly a second. Or possibly one of those thirds. I think that's a phenomenal move by the Indianapolis Colts. Very true. What I I love about that is two things. One, the Indianapolis Colts, it's a fleecing. Good job on them. Two, Baker Mayfield saying, I want to be be traded to the Colts. And then the Colts are just like, no, thank you. It was was insane. That's insane. Mm -hmm. Baker Mayfield, I don't know. I think he's going to end up going to Seattle or – because he's not going to Atlanta now. The Atlanta Falcons just signed Matt, Marcus Mariota to a two-year contract. I think they're coming. He's coming in to to start. Has to, unless they want Baker Mayfield. There's no way they're going to trade for Baker Mayfield and sign Marcus Mariota. No, that that would not happen. So I think it's Seattle. Like, what other team was going to trade for Baker Mayfield? What other team needs a quarterback? Not Detroit. Not Houston. They had that opportunity. They could ask yeah. for him back. Yeah, I mean, like the only other one that would make semi sense would Pittsburgh terms of yeah they signed Trubisky but it's like that was a short term can you imagine you if know, the Browns yeah. traded Baker Mayfield but they would, that's the thing they wouldn't trade him in division yeah so maybe they would want to honestly haven't seen him last year but Steelers fans are just livid that they get Baker May- imagine that quarterback room Mason Rudolph Baker Mayfield and Mitch Trubisky oh man that's dire straits that is absolute dire straits I think he's gonna end up a Seattle Seahawk we shall see but the Seattle Seahawks know that they're the only partner. They're the only trade partner that's even going to be throwing anything's out. So maybe you're right. It is like a fifth or a sixth round pick, yeah. which is just wild to see how mighty Dave, you know, Baker has fallen. I think he's getting underrated to a point now. I agree. 
Definitely getting underrated. Fifth or sixth round pick? I mean, I'd rather have him next year than Carson Wentz. 100%. Flat out. 100%. You'd 100% rather have Baker Mayfield than Carson Wentz. Especially with the cap. How bad does that Washington deal now look in retrospect? With all the other quarterbacks that came available, the price they paid. Any other closing thoughts on the Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield, Deshaun Watson debacle? Indy's got to be favorites in the South now, honestly. I I know the Titans are still good. But I, I do think Indy, like that's a big upgraded quarterback. Matt Ryan was doing, was playing better than Carson Wentz last year with so much less. It's not even funny. Like he, he was having to throw to his number one option was a rookie tight end. That's a tough spot to be in for anyone. And, and with the offensive line he had, now the Colts still need to mishmash their offensive line together and cobble that into a respectable unit after losing. We're possibly losing Eric Fisher, losing Mark Lewinsky. So that's still a TBD, but even even as it stands right now, it's still a better offline than Atlanta was trotting out. I'm honestly kind of stunned that the Atlanta Falcons moved on from Matt Ryan just for a third-round pick. Like That, in my opinion, is pretty insane. They shot the moon by going after Deshaun yeah. and probably burned the same bridge that Cleveland did. But I honestly don't hate the decision that they've made trading Matt Ryan and signing Marcus Mariota. I'm surprised that Marcus Mariota was available well, for that long. Well, we said it last year prior to that draft. Four, number four overall pick. You saw Matt Ryan's contract, saw his age, saw where that roster was. We were saying draft QB, trade Matt Ryan. Draft QB, trade Matt Ryan. Get those numbers off the books because are you going to win with Matt Ryan taking $45 million of your cap no. with that roster? Because you couldn't sign guys for agency. You had to hit on a ton of draft picks in a small amount of time to get yourself back to even competitive. And they chose to try to do that, to try to shoot the moon. When they traded Matt Ryan for last year's draft, he's netting a lot more than the third-round pick. Yeah. I'll, get, I'll tell you that 100%, right now. 100%. Second so, at least. A second at least. Yeah. So that was poorly, poor long-term vision from Falcons brass to not kind of see the writing on the wall with that roster. It's a loaded catch and early buzz. And I want to talk Lael Collins. I want to talk Urban Meyer, that article that came out from The Athletic today, and then also David Ajabo and the injury at the Pro Day. But before I do, remember that this podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps you advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow? Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PF. F. Now, to sum up what we just went over, Deshaun Watson is a Cleveland Brown, and the bait in the Cleveland Browns are all in mm-hmm. on Deshaun Watson and every move he makes on and off the field for the next four or five years. Guaranteed contract, two hundred thirty million freaking dollars. That is insane. Yeah. Amari Cooper, Deshaun Watson, that defense with Greg Newsom, Jeremiah Wuskamura, they are all in. The Atlanta Falcons burn their bridge with Matt Ryan. They are now put in a position to where. They have to or want, need to or make the decision to trade him to a third-round pick, the Indianapolis Colts. Indianapolis Colts now move on from Carson Wentz. They trade two third-round picks. They get two third-round picks, give him to Washington. Baker Mayfield's on the outside looking in, probably going to be a Seattle Seahawk, if not a backup somewhere else, right? Pittsburgh would be insane. I don't think he goes to Pittsburgh. Um, what an insane – I mean, Russell Wilson's a different Bronco. It, it was an insane offseason for some of these trades. It's something I've gone back to with the whole – you know, draft quarterback every reach for these quarterbacks sort of argument and yeah it's panned out at times but if you build a good roster with cheap young talent through the draft you can find quarterbacks nowadays 
Matt Ryan just went for a third. You know, you could go out and rust, get a Russell Wilson. Like, quarterback talent is becoming available more so than ever to where if you really don't feel like that guy's worth that pick in the draft, you really don't feel like that, add the talent. Yeah. Continue to build up your roster to as good as it can be. And one, don't settle for the Teddy Bridgewater's of the world. That's not getting you there. Don't, don't settle for the Carson Wentz's of the world. But when it is your time, go get a Matt Stafford. Go get even a Derek Carr, a Kirk Cousins. Go get a guy who's like Russell top 12, Wilson. a surefire top 12 to 15 quarterback in the NFL that you know can consistently play at that level. But then he comes into a roster or a situation that is very good and can get you in the mix. They're, like I said, quarterback talent is becoming more available than ever. And it's something that has to affect your decision-making going forward, and especially in this quarterback draft class. And, and guess which teams they're coming from? The teams that didn't draft for talent, right? Yes. It's, it's coming from the teams who have bad rosters that can't that win. dished out their first-rounders. And exactly. like all of a sudden shit to bed with no talent around these quarterbacks. Houston Texans? Yep. Detroit Lions? Seattle Seahawks yes. have been dog shit in the Throwing damn— away first-rounders yeah, they, they, around yeah. the Russell Wilson era? They've struggled to draft. If you, if you start drafting poorly— the quarterback that you have will become available and you can move on from him and try and reset. Uh, Leo Collins took a visit to Cincinnati on St. Paddy's Day. He was out at the banks apparently Thursday night and Friday night. It was Friday night. Yeah, he was. Sadly, I was not out. Damn. I wonder you what know, Saturday he was out at the banks. There was like a whole thing on Bengals He was in there for like two or three days. He was at Kenwood then. Mall. And he went to Kenwood Mall? Kenwood Mall courting. sucks. Yeah, Kenwood Mall's not great. But Lyle Collins, a Bengal, and the Bengals O-line revitalization – I give it a gold star. They did a very gold good star job. Chili. Did not spend. Mm, that's the wrong kind of gold star. That's more of a brown star. Oh. Uh, Lyle Collins, though. They, they did it. Like, they didn't spend a lot of money and still got this offensive line revamped. Three-year, $30 million deal. Didn't have to pay anyone over $10 million a year to get three competent starters on this offensive Legitimate line. Legitimate upgrades. I mean, competent. I said competent. So, <laughs> yeah. That, that was a given. But hats off to them they and, and they still got money to play with like they still have space they can still make moves this is a Bengals offseason that once again sets them up for success have to have to have to love it if you're a Bengals fan. I, I think it's rare that you see a team with such obvious needs and such an obvious pathway to success right where like all the media all fans like this is what we need we need to do this this offseason and we're going to seize upgrades yeah. like, and they're like yeah we're going to the we're going to go add three offensive linemen Leo Collins is available. We're going to have him on the banks at Kenwood Mall for three days. Oh, Alex Cabot is available. We're going to go sign him on the first day within like the first two hours of free agency. That aggressiveness, I mean, there should be a lot of people. If you are a Cincinnati Bengals fan, you should be stoked at what they did because it's so much easier said than done. There are a lot of other fan bases. There are a lot of other teams with obvious needs that rarely, rarely go into free agency and make those upgrades that they need to make. I think it was um, – it was, it was impressive. It was honestly impressive what the Cincinnati Bengals has done. It's one of the bigger – we're going to get to the biggest winners and losers of free agency later in the show. But, like, they're an obvious winner in free agency. Obvious winner. And that didn't even, they didn't even bring back that they re-signed B.J. Hill, which I thought was a huge win. That, that, I, I really do like what they've done in free agency. So, Lyle Collins, to reset on him, 28 years old, top five grade right tackle each of the last two seasons. Now, he did get hurt last year. But on the football field – this, there's this is no brainer. There's no question marks. This is no like, oh, you know, Riley Reese situation where he's at the end of the line. Is he even going to be the same guy we've seen? No, Lyle Collins is a damn good right tackle. You're not doing any better than him at pick 31. You're not drafting any better than this guy. This is your dream scenario. He's as, he's as good, if not better, than Jonah Williams on the left side. 
wild, wild time for the Cincinnati Bengals. Good for Lael Collins. That starting offensive line, Jonah Williams, Jackson Carmen, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, Lael Collins. It's no top five unit, but it's above average offensive line benefit. For sure. That 100%. is a top 12 unit, I'd say, in the NFL. And if Carmen takes a step forward, that's massive yeah. for them. That's huge. It's huge. Love what the Cincinnati Bengals have done. Next thing on the Catch and Buzz. Urban Meyer, this article from The Athletic, which I believe it was written in, in with um, Mike Sando on the reporting. I think someone else is on the and byline. Jason Jenks. And, and, and who is it? And Jason Jenks. Jason Jenks. This was something, one of the first things I read this morning before Aiden came in and we started recording. A spectacle. Unbelievable. Just an unbelievable piece. I think all the stuff that had come out on Urban Meyer before. Remember when we sat down with Brady at the Combine? Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, man, that's not even all out yet. There was a lot of there was a lot of that conversation in Indianapolis where we're like, man, Urban Meyer was such a disaster. And Jackson was like, buddy, you don't know the half of it. And well, more of it has come out. You know, I think the notable quotes that have come from this piece, he did not know who Aaron Donald was. Who's that 99 guy on the Rams? He said, I'm hearing that he might be a problem for us. He wasn't fully aware of who Debo Samuel was. He was like a caricature of all the problems people bring up about college coaches translating to the NFL. It was like into Urban Meyer. It's like treating guys like they're kids, not knowing the NFL game. Not like all the things that people bring up as red flags, Urban Meyer just like blew them out the water in terms of how red flaggy they actually were and how they don't work once you get to the league. Like benching NFL players is a punishment for high schoolers who fumble, not a punishment for guys who have been playing football for 16 years of their lives. This article is legitimate movie script on what not to do yeah. as a college going to the NFL coach. Like, legitimately a movie script. And I think there's a handful of people who credit this. One, obviously, uh, Mike Sando and, and Jason Jenks of The Athletic. If you don't have an athletic subscription, go subscribe now because this is excellent reporting on their part and, and just great detail and story. I think the other person to credit in this is DJ Chark. Yeah. DJ Chark going on the record and saying all this stuff, I think, was really impressive to see because I think this needed to be said, dude. What Urban Meyer did in Jacksonville was absolutely freaking insane. Like, mm -hmm. absolutely insane. Chark in this says he feels like threats are what motivates. I know he would come up to us and tell us receivers weren't doing good. He wasn't going to fire us. He was going to fire our coach. He would usually say that when the coach was around. He would go up to the receivers. When the receivers coach was there, he's like, you guys aren't doing good. I'm going to fire this coach. That's next to him. My, it was insane. In, in his first staff meeting, he criticized the way NFL teams operate, noting specifically that coaches failed to take proper care of players' health. He, in training camp, did these loser and winner days where he had players compete in, in contact drills. Chark did an extra rep and broke a finger in one of those drills. He forbade players from speaking with opponents before, the, for, before games. He said the Jaguars lost one of the games because they dressed sloppily. My, my, favorite, my favorite one, though, was he reportedly advocated for players to dunk the ball on the goal yes. post after they scored, which is literally, you can't do. You're going to get fined by the NFL. It's a personal foul. And he's advocating for his players to break the rules because he just, he didn't know the NFL game. Straight up, no. And, and, he's, and he reportedly did like a six-month deep dive in the NFL and couldn't come across the name Aaron Donald. So, yeah, it, it's a great read. I just highly recommend and really kind of puts a bow on the whole I mean, there was also situation. like the quote in there that was just like outwardly racist where like uh, the John, yeah, John Brown, their veteran receiver, uh, ran the wrong route in practice. And he said, hey, Trevor, you got to slow it down for him. Those boys from the South, their transcripts ain't right. Like, what the fuck, dude? Like this guy, 
Again, this is a movie script. This is a movie script for like legitimately what you should not do as a coach in the NFL, especially going from college to the NFL. Man, there's a part where he apparently berates a player to a point where he cries. It's an absurd piece. Go check it out on The Athletic. But the Urban Meyer story continues to, to just be insane. I mean, we thought it peaked at him you know, rubbing down that chick at the bar, but instead he's just presumably like one of the worst like human beings that the Jacksonville Jaguars front office has ever seen. Um, last piece of this, and I talked to Aiden about this today for the Hutchinson podcast, which comes out April 2022. David Ajabo, man. The Michigan Pro Day, he's doing some linebacker drills, it looks like. He catches the ball, breaks, and goes on the ground. And Bucky Brooks sent out that tweet where like no one really helps him. The Jacksonville Jaguars coach goes and picks up the ball, and it looks like completely obscene. But I was talking to Aiden's agent today and he's like, from where we were, we couldn't really tell if he tripped and we didn't want to like get into the drill. And he was like, not screaming initially, but more like stretching. And then like, then you, you see the Achilles. Yeah. The, the, it, it's just, it's, um, it's tough. I, I, it was a tough scene to, to have that, to have that happen. At yeah. the pro day. I, I struggle to like all like the Matt Stafford video all over again, where it's like, you want him to go want someone to go fix his Achilles? You want me to go out there and heal him? No, I'd love to. Yeah, do. Yeah. I'd love to. I think that I was definitely you know, overblown. I think that was definitely a bunch overblown. of scouts there who are not medical professionals who saw a guy trip, see him lying on the ground, do not do not know the severity. They think if it's just a guy who tripped and laying on the ground, like rolled an ankle, whatever, like you don't after the fact he looks back because you know he tore his Achilles and you know he just ruined his draft stock and you know that. He's now probably going to drop out of the first round, likely be a second rounder with where he was. And with the timeline of it, may miss his entire rookie season. Like, it's, you, heart breaks for the guy. But the people around him in the moment have no fucking clue what just happened. Like, I tripped during a drill. Yeah. That happens. And usually guys get up. That time, he didn't get up, sadly, because it was a little more than just a trip. Sucks for David Ajabo, right? Because, you know, this is obviously going to impact his stock. He's not going to be, you know, healthy to the start right what, what what are you expecting to turn around your dad's a doctor when do you think this guy's back healthy well so dio ode yingbo last year if you'll recall towards achilles training for the senior bowl in january and ends up coming back week eight that's january two months later in the timeline so think about two months in the nfl schedule it's eight more weeks week 16 you're, you're, if a guy's come back week 16 you're not playing guy you're not playing guys rookie year. So he may just have a red shirt rookie year. So that's why if you're drafting him, I think you're going to be drafting him under the impression that he's not playing this upcoming fall, unfortunately. So that's as much as we say you don't draft for year one, missing that much development is tough to, to a tough pill to swallow. If your guy's not going to be on the football field at all as a rookie, get any of those reps. I, I don't think you're going to justify drafting that guy in the first round, especially when he's billed as a project like Ojabo. Yeah. This would be a different animal if it was like, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, who you, yeah. you've seen great tape from. Not mm -hmm. to even make that, put any of that on him, but like you've seen great tape from, you know, oh shit, when he comes back, like he may not need a lot to get up to speed. This is a little different. So yeah, I do think Ojabo's draft stock, I don't think he's a top 50 pick anymore, sadly. Not even a top 50 pick, man. That is brutal. I do think that when he does come back healthy, I, it puts him in this steel territory, right? Like, if you can get David Ajabo and you know he gets back, comes back healthy in year two, the type of player he can be, I mean, it's going to make it that much easier. So, uh, I obviously wish him the best of luck as he can, continues to recover. That's a, such an unfortunate, unfortunate situation for David Ajabo. Shall we get to the biggest winners and losers from free agency? We already hinted at a couple, but I kind of want to hammer these things home. Let's do them. 
before we do, proud sponsor of the Tailgate Podcast, guess who? PFF. If you use promo code FREEAGENCY30, you'll save 30% off any PFF subscription now through Monday, March 28th. Make sure you go to pff.com if you like the draft guide, any of the advanced data that we have. You can go check out all of our article content as well at pff.com for that. FREEAGENCY30, promo code FREEAGENCY30, 30% off. Biggest winners in free agency. We already mentioned the Cincinnati Bengals, and that's obvious. Resigned B.J. Hill, Ted Karras, Lael Collins. Um, revamped that old line. Alex Kappa revamped the offensive line. They did exactly what they needed to do in free agency. I think that was a, an overly impressive win. They are one of the biggest winners, if not the biggest winners of free agency. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, 100%. Los Angeles Chargers, though, another big winner. They spent big, but honestly a huge winner in free agency as well. Uh, this the thing I love about the Chargers is they paid for, they they went out and spent a good amount of money. Yes, but they paid for certainty, whereas the Jaguars went out and spent a lot of money and paid for a lot of unknowns, like yeah. a lot of just like who knows. Whereas Khalil Mack, you know he's going to be a high level pass rusher when he is on the football field for at least the next couple of years. J.C. Jackson has. The most picks in the NFL over the last two years. Like you know his ball skills, you know his ability to make plays in the football. That has been something that we've talked about as being a sticky thing from even college to the pros. So it's definitely gonna be sticky from NFL to NFL team to NFL team. That guy's going to get his hands on footballs. Now they still have the whole right tackle. Still TBD on what they do with that. Obviously, kind of Brian Balaga could not stay healthy on the football field. Need to address that. I believe they will address that. Could even be a position at number 17 overall to address that. But that's kind of the only really th real thing that's missing from this revamp that they try to do this offseason. That besides that, though, the defense side of the ball is going to be a much different animal in 2022. To recap the moves the Jags, or not the Jags, the Chargers made, obviously trade for Khalil Mack, <clears throat> bring him in to work opposite of Joey Bosa. It's arguably one of the best tandems in the NFL uh, at edge. They signed Gerald Everett, the tight end, former Los Angeles Rams tight end, to a two-year $12 million deal. Mike Williams re-signed, three-year $60 million extension. J.C. Jackson, five-year $82.5 million deal. They also signed two defensive tackles in Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day. Huge fan of a lot of those moves. I think the Joseph Day move has been accurately rated. J.C. Jackson, like you said, paying for certainty. I love bringing Mike Williams back. There was a lot of conversation about them not bringing him back and then taking a receiver at 17. I love the idea of them still going receiver, especially after signing two defensive tackles in free agency and Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day. Maybe they avoid having to go you know, defensive tackle at that spot. I think some people have highlighted Jordan Davis. I don't think he's ultimately available to them at 17, but if they can get a Jameson Williams, a Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, if he falls that far at 17, I think that that's where I want to go with this offense. So go chase eliteness at the receiver position. Go give Justin Herbert as many weapons as possible, especially with how much you've done to shore up the defensive side. And, and J.C. Jackson, the two defensive tackles, and adding Khalil Mack. Mm -hmm. On to the next big winner. Chris Ballard and the Indianapolis Colts getting a conditional third-round pick that will likely be a second-round pick and another third-round pick from the Washington football team to move on from the failed experiment that was Carson Wentz. Um, then they go ahead and trade for Matt Ryan for just one third-round pick, one of the third-round picks that the Washington football team sent them. That Those those moves right there in themselves. You could argue they've upgraded at quarterback. You could argue they've legitimately upgraded at quarterback. Could you, you, you couldn't argue. It's a fucking fact. It's a guarantee. <laughs> it's like, here, they come out no... of the Carson Wentz deal with a guaranteed upgrade at quarterback and only spend a third-round pick to get him. They So in with those two deals, they moved up in the third round this year and got a third-rounder next year. 
that could be a second rounder next year to improve at quarterback. That is absolutely insane. That that was the fleecing of the offseason of what they got for Carson Wentz to what they then re- got in return for Matt Ryan. And we're going to talk about the Falcons as one of the biggest losers here because of obviously that insane haul or lack thereof that they got in return. But part of me wonders if the Falcons, Matt Ryan was probably a little upset after the Deshaun Watson, whatever, keys to the city shit. And they're almost doing him a solid in this and saying, hey, we'll give you to a contender. We'll give you to a spot that we know is a good situation for you, that we know you can succeed after all you've done for us because shit, man. Like that, that if if they really open that up to every bidder at the point, like early on, even early before all these quarterback trades happened this offseason, they could have 1,000% got more than a third round pick. Washington probably trades more. Yeah. That's that's insane. That's insane. Indianapolis Colts, big winners this free agency. I think the the other, I mean, the other moves that they have made this free agency, it hasn't been a ton, but they have um, re-signed Mo Alley-Cox to a three-year $18 million deal, Zaire Franklin on a three-year $12 million deal, and Matt Pryor one-year five and a half. They didn't have a lot of cap space to do much beyond that, but the trade for Matt Ryan, an upgraded quarterback for just a third-round pick, and moving on from just, Carson Wentz does highlight Colts, them. Colts have cap space. Sorry. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Colts do have cap space, but they haven't spent a lot of it on, yeah. in, in free agency. Denver Broncos, big winners. Obviously, adding Russell Wilson. They're firmly right now the second-ranked team in terms of odds to win the AFC West behind the Kansas City Chiefs. Am I, I still feel, though, that we might be – are we overrating the Denver Broncos? Are we overrating them? I think we're – I'm more comfortable in putting the Los Angeles Chargers as the second-ranked team than I am the, the Denver Broncos that's in the fine. AFC West. Yeah, that's like, fine. I, don't, I think – so they bring, bring in Randy Gregory on that five-year, $70 million deal, essentially steal him away from the Dallas Cowboys in the final hour. Also sign DJ Jones and Josie Jewell, two contracts to come back, and obviously the trade for Russell Wilson. They lose Noah Fant, they lose Shelby Harris, and they lose Drew Locke. I really obviously the Russell Wilson con, you know deal is a huge upgrade over the quarterback that they had, but there there were some concerns with how well Russell Wilson played for the Seahawks down the stretch, right? Like he was not a top five quarterback towards the back half of the season. How quickly he hits the ground running in Denver, I think, will be surprising. I would not be surprised if I had to pick a surprise team to finish fourth in the division next year. It would be the Denver Broncos. Like I think it could ultimately be chiefs chargers raiders broncos like i mean right now i would not be betting them as the second team in the afc west i don't russell wilson's 33 if you really think he's on the downside of his career sure by all means but through the first five weeks last year before he had his finger he was a top three great quarterback in the nfl like he was very good and then he broke his finger and then he came back in record-breaking time and had some insane two-minute drills against air with no football that got shown on Monday Night Football or whatever and came back way too early and looked like shit the second half of the year. I'm going to buy on the previous decade that we've seen of him of good football to especially, like I said, 33 years old. He's not that – there's no downslide coming off an injury. I'm pretty certain it just was that injury, and you're getting a guy who at times has been – a top five quarterback, probably of late, a little on the outside of that looking in, but at the very worst is still a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And going from Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater to that is still about the, is probably, I mean, the Sean Watson Baker is the, obviously the biggest upgrade, but the second biggest upgrade of the quarterback position this offseason. I think there's a reason this next team that you have highlighted as a winner. I think there's reason to believe 
there's a bigger, the biggest winner in free agency are the Bucks. <laughs> We well, have them as the yes. sixth team in this list. It wasn't made in order, like Bengals, Chargers, Colts, Broncos, and Bucks. The biggest winner of this free agency period was the Bucks. In terms of the week prior, how your fan base felt to now, no fan base feels better than the Bucks fan base. You, you, it's not even close. Yeah. You went from Tom Brady retired, exodus possibly on your hands, to Tom Brady comes back, Every single key piece, besides maybe Jordan Whitehead, even he's maybe not that key of a piece. And then even adding a guy like Russell Gage, adding a guy like Shaq Mason, improving at positions legitimately on that offense to where, my God, Bucks fans, like I said, no one's more elated. Chris Godwin, three-year, $60 million deal. Ryan Jensen come back, comes back on a three-year, $39 million deal. They get Carlson Davis back on a three-year, $45 million deal. And they sign Russell Gage to a three-year, $30 million deal. In addition, obviously, Tom Brady coming back. They could get Ronkowski coming back. Like This Bucks team now is the favorite to win the NFC South, obviously. I think they're the glaring favorite to win the NFC South at minus 280. No other team is better than plus 450, and that's New Orleans Saints. And then you have to win the division or win the conference next year. They're the favorites as well. Plus 350. Rams are only plus 450. Packers are only plus 450. Tom Brady coming back and all the uh, all the additions they made legitimately made them the favorite to go to the Super Bowl next year, according to DraftKings Sportsbook. It's a it's a big offseason for them. And honestly, I'm backing it, right? Like I wouldn't I'm buying more into the Buccaneers' success than the Rams' success with potentially the losses that they have. And then also I think more than the Green Bay Packers' success until they make some moves at this receiver position. No. No? You think the Packers, Packers should be the favorite fine. to go to the NFC? The Packers are still fine. Stop. Stop. They should not be the favorite. Biggest losers. We've talked about this a ton, and it's kind of fucked, but we have to bring it up. Jaguars. The Jaguars. They had the worst free agency I've ever seen a team have. Don't put that in a quote graphic, it's, but you're not, like, wrong. They just they, they didn't get a single value compared to the, be the best we've seen a guy for every player they signed, the best we've ever seen from them prior – None of them were worth the deals they got. No one would have paid close to that by three to four million per player. And so you're expecting to them even justify any of those contracts to play better than they ever have in the past. And even then, even if they play better than they have in the past, none of them are sniffing Pro Bowl caliber players. So they have no, they blew out the doors in terms of money that they gave away for no Pro Bowl players, no guys who can change the culture of whatever. That's insane to me. I, 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 yeah, they're better now than they were prior to this, but I, I keep saying, if you're thirsty, you don't have, I won't pay $50 for a bottle of water. They paid $50 for a bottle of water because they were thirsty. I mean, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, their division odds, I don't even think moved. Like, with all the moves that they did make, like, I still think that they're one of the bottom teams. They're plus 650 to win the AFC South next year. The Colts and Titans are tied for the favorite at plus 120. Like, I'm I'm betting the Texans plus 2200 before I'm betting the Jags plus 650 to win that division. Honestly, I'm more, I'm more interested in betting the Houston Texans at plus 2200. Now, obviously, that's a big widespread in odds, but I think that's where I'm leaning as well. Unfortunate for Jacksonville Jaguars fans. So to recap more of these moves, Darius Williams, they bring on a three-year, $30 million deal. Cam Robinson's playing on the tag, the offensive tackle. Brandon Scherf, three years, $50 million deal. Foye Luikin, three-year, 45. Full Lorenzo Fatukasi, the defensive tackle on a three-year, $30 million deal. Kirk, Christian Kirk, 
slot receiver from the Cardinals, a four-year, $72 million deal that could be up to $84 million with incentives. Evan Ingram, one-year deal. Zay Jones, three-year deal. I mean, they spent a lot of money on a lot of average to above-average talent, which I just at, at positions where you don't, you can't afford to be average, like receiver specifically, like Kirk and 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 Zay Jones. I just, just don't, I don't understand those signings. I don't understand why they paid that much money for those two players. Yeah. Another big loser in free agency, I think the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys move on from Leo Collins for nothing. They move on from Amari Cooper for fifth. They sign back Michael Gallup and Dalton Schultz on contracts. They bring back Demarcus Lawrence, which I thought was one of the better deals of free agency. Three-year, $40 million deal. You know, yeah, they're a loser in free agency, but that was a massive win for them to get him back on that money. They also got Malik Hooker back, Leighton Vander Esch, and Dorrance Armstrong all back on the Dallas Cowboys. But losing Leo Collins and Amari Cooper in the offseason, that's a big dent in, in what they had. So, so it wasn't all bad. Like, the Lawrence deal was great. The, the Gallup deal, big fan of. Even the Malik Hooker deal, well worth two years, eight million for what he could be. Still only twenty five years old. Now, the Randy Gregory mismanagement of the finalizing that deal, criticism worthy, and then just getting themselves in the cap situation to where you have to give away, cut one of your best offensive linemen and give away one of your best wide receivers for fifth round pick is it, it wasn't a decision obviously made this year it was decisions made in the past that led to this but that's just that's awful that's that's just not good from a team building perspective to get nothing for talented players just lose them for nothing is a quick way to enter the basement in the nfl so sadly the arrow even after some good moves this offseason pointing down for the Cowboys the last loser we have highlighted here and I think it's important that you called out that like not all the moves that the Dallas Cowboys made were bad the, the, the DeMarcus Lawrence deal was one of the best deals I think a team made this offseason the Atlanta Falcons though another loser they signed Marcus Mariota but they lose Matt Ryan just for a third round pick they don't make a lot of deals beyond that Calvin Ridley obviously suspended this offseason too I don't know if we're counting that in um in their winners and losers column but that did not help them in any way shape or form they did sign casey hayward to a two-year 11 million dollar deal but that's really it among notable signings that they've made marcus mariota is obviously the other one casey hayward marcus mariota losing calvin ridley that losing matt ryan this is a bottom feeder team in the nfc like quite yeah. blank point blank a bottom feeder team in the nfc yeah. this this one just revolves around only getting a third from matt ryan yeah you have a quarterback who's still good and obviously not good enough with that roster to lead you anywhere you want to go but worth more than a third round pick pretty obviously and that's all you got from and so like you said this is a bottom feeder now this is where they are they need to make shrewd draft decisions over the next couple seasons to even get back in the mix and then one of those draft decisions has to revolve around the quarterback position because you got no one at that position as well so a lot of tough tough decisions to be made there and they bring Casey Hayward like Casey Hayward, two-year, $11 million deal. Does it move the needle at all? Probably not. That's just that with this roster. With the Atlanta Falcons picking at eight, and uh, do, do you think, and obviously like the Detroit Lions are considered around Malik Willis, do you ultimately, ultimately think now Connor Rogers, who's an analyst at Bleacher Report, but also does some work here at PFF, tweet out like it's very, it could be that much more likely that Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett go inside the top 10 now. Could you see, see two it. top 10 quarterbacks, one going to Detroit and, and, and they've been rumored to be a, a target for Malik Willis and then maybe another going to the Atlanta Falcons or whoever it may be. I said it because 
I think I was on, I was on like a radio hit last week and they were asking me, you know, it was the draft prop. I was on Visa and they were asking me about draft props for quarterbacks. I'm like, the only team, the only way I could see a quarterback going above Malik Willis is the Carolina Panthers drafting Kenny Pickett because they have Ben McAdoo and Matt Rule fucking making decisions there for who's their quarterback. Where are they going to covet? Guy like Kenny Pickett, pocket passer, good on a whiteboard, all these sort of things that. Is it worth six overall pick? Probably not. But that's the only way I could see it. So I could see if he goes six, I could also see the Falcons maybe making a move up to get Malik Willis. But I do think two, we're in play for two QBs in the top ten now. On to the fan, fun to read segment. I think there are a handful of fun to read, absurd social media posts over the weekend. And I wish mm. that we collected all of them because I think there were a lot around the Devontae Adams trade. There were a lot. I think the worst... Oh, no, the best, like, save your likes tweet. I know you have one highlighted here, but the one that just, like, we need to, like, stop sending, like, stop sending is anything about the strength of the AFC West. Like, it's past. It's past, guys. It's past. The AFC West is so good. All the talents in the AFC West. AFC West should have their own Pro Bowl. Like, stop. Like, the jokes have been made. The tweets have been made. We get it. The AFC West has a ton of talent now with Khalil Mack, Devontae Adams, Russell Wilson, all added to the division. Let's just – let's pump the brakes on that one. For fun to read – Mike Quinn's best friend, he was telling me that he's like a big fan of him. Trevor Bauer sent out this tweet when Deshaun Watson got traded to the Cleveland Browns. Congrats at Deshaun Watson on the new contract. Can't wait to watch you play again. Happy to see the NFL and their franchises are allowing you to continue your career after all the BS and lies you've been through recently. Onward and upward, this game is more fun with you in it. Just absurd. Just absurd. I was kidding, obviously, about Quinn being friends with Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer, I think, has been accused of sexual assault in the past, right? Like, yes. A lot of sexual assault. He so, comes. Go ahead. This is not funny, but he a year and a half ago actually DM'd my girlfriend uh, on Instagram, <laughs> saying what? I don't know, just like I don't know, DMing when he was with the Reds. Could have been a dick pic at this point. Yeah, and she dodged a bullet. I'll just say. Yeah, absolutely dodged a bullet. He did reply to this tweet and said, "I obviously don't know all the facts in this case. Obviously, <laughs> well, yeah, I, well, that's fun to read as well. And neither does the public. My point, while poorly phrased, is that allegations do not mean guilt, as many have automatically assumed. What is alleged, what is alleged, is disturbing, and if true, there should be consequences. But through the lens of what I've experienced with false and materially misleading allegations, I'm not interested in condemning someone or preventing them from working in their chosen field based on solely proven, unproven allegations. I will say this: I am very much tired." around the Deshaun Watson stuff, I'm very much tired of these like allegations don't mean guilt and no criminal charges. 22 different fucking women are saying the same shit. That is insane. You know how hard that is for all that to be untrue? They're not even all in the same city, like all in different places. So here's the difference. You're, you, you're, you're run the mill. You work a nine to five job at whatever company. You're, you're not going to get fired if your criminal charges aren't brought against you. Yeah. Like your job probably won't even find out that you did stuff like this. Yeah. That's true. But this is not a nine to five job. You are the face of an NFL franchise. It is a little bit different in terms of the standard you're held against. So let's not those people saying that, Oh, if he's like I said, just working normal job, he'd be back at work right now. This is a touchdown. A little bit, maybe a little bit. Um, Bucky Brooks also makes the fun to read segment, who is a friend of the show, an absolute friend of the show. He says, imagine selling to your fan base that you traded the best receiver in the game for Caleb Farley and Dylan Radins because they were drafted at the 22nd and 53rd overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft by the Tennessee Titans, which is weird. 
Oh, I guess it's not weird. No disrespect, but those are the faces associated with the picks the Packers picked up for Adams. It's hard to turn picks into players. So you may, you put this on the fun to read segment. Like I get what he's trying to say. Like, go ahead. Here's the why it's fun to read. Because, so this is the his point is twenty two and fifty three of the picks they got from the Raiders. Yeah, it's fun to read because you know who pick number twenty two was in twenty twenty. What? Justin Jefferson. Oh, really? You know who pick number fifty three was in twenty fourteen. Who? Devontae Adams. Oh, wow. Was pick 53 really Devontae Adams? Pick 53 oh, my was Devontae Adams. So it's fun to read because he says, pick 53, no respect, the picks, whatever, hard to turn into players. Well, one of them was actually Devontae Adams. Someone replies to this tweet and says, picks 22 and 53 in 2020 were Justin Jefferson and Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Which is, like, again, like, I, I mean, get his point. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's. It is hard to turn picks into players. It's also very but valid for the Raiders. The Raiders have not turned. You, it's what yeah. you have to do in the NFL. Yeah. If you want to be good, you turn the picks into players. Yes. If you don't, you weren't going to be good in the first place. This is also like a completely new regime and completely yeah. new decision makers for the Las Vegas Raiders. Dave Ziegler coming from the Patriots. Josh McDaniels. Like you have to. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think that's it's different. And I I agree with his sentiment though. It's not yeah. as bad as some of the fun to reads that we. No. Have. Oh no. Oh, I just added it there because of the irony of pick 53 being Devonte literally mm-hmm. Devonte Adams pick back in the day so so the save your likes segment which we'll close on the save your likes and we'll get out of here but the save your likes segment i do think that the afc west stuff was pretty terrible mm-hmm. and i think it needs to stop so i'm calling that out now save your likes so here's so the save your likes segment i think is getting badly someone someone has responded to this segment and said sorry does every tweet need to be hung in the fucking moma or whatever does every tweet need to be no no you can send out butt cheeks tweets. Stop liking the bad tweets. There you go. It's a save your likes, not save your tweets. Yeah. Not save your tweets. Tweet all you want. If you want to tweet out LMAO. I throw out garbage sometimes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you want to tweet out like LMAO during halftime of a random primetime game, do it. But stop liking those tweets. Yeah. Not every tweet needs to be hung in the MoMA. But if you're going to give 2,000 likes to something, it better be good. It better be good. Now, any of these jokes that we saw when Cole Beasley got uh, released from the Buffalo Bills were all bad. Doug Farrar, who could be a great guy. I've never met him, I don't think. Doug Farrar quote tweets it. Make Mike Garofolo says he'll get a shot somewhere. Obviously making fun of Cole Beasley getting released and him not being vaccinated. Got 7,500 likes. That joke has been made a thousand times. A thousand times. Any, anything, any, every single guy that was unvaccinated has had this joke with anything that's anywhere yes. near related to that. Quinn game. sent a slack in the tailgate channel right after Bill, Bill, uh, Colby got released. He said, just so you know, the save your like segment has to include the 50,000 jokes where people are going to say he'll get a shot somewhere. Like it, it was rough. It was rough. So just, someone will take a shot. Save on your likes on the played COVID jokes. We yeah. are. We're, we've seen them all. I we've seen them all. I if you got a new one for us, by all means, but we've seen them all. We have seen them all. That's going to do it for this episode of Tailgate, man. When we get back, I want to talk a little bit about uh, you wrote a big, the, the each team's biggest needs remaining article. Address them. The first wave of free agency. Let's address those needs when we get back. Also, want to start looking. I want to start doing our position by position breakdown our yes, drafts. So we look at quarterback, running back, receiver, our rankings going into the 2022 NFL draft. But until then, I need to get some much needed sleep. I've done a lot of talking with Aiden Hutchinson today. A lot of talking with you as well, but I'm excited to to tack this for the rest of the week. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And if you send me a DM with a screenshot of your review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I will send you a draft guide. I'm sending out 50. Until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, tell you.